Oh, Dave, you look like you need a kip, old son. I do, I always do. Oh, you're not getting enough sleep. What you need, Ol, is a natural mat mattress. And what we'd like to talk about this time is Natural Mat Mattresses Mattress for Life initiative. Oh, what is that? It's easy for you to say. That's what it is, right. Dave. Now, look, look. Natural Mat make mattresses for life. And they mean it because they don't want their mattresses ending up in landfill like 5 million mattresses in the UK do every year. Uh, these mattresses are made from natural biodegradable or recyclable materials and they're specially designed so that when you're done with them, they can be broken down into their tiddly little bits and used again. So, when your natural mat mattress reaches the end of its life in about 10 years' time, that's a lot of sleeping, Dave, uh, you can do three things. You can either refurbish it, you can recycle it, or indeed you can donate it to people who need it more than you do, all via natural mat. And they're the only company in the UK who do that stuff. Fantastic stuff, Ol. Well, we will not be down about that, and that'll put a spring in our step as we look forward to lying down in autumn. Yes? Very good, Dave. So go to naturalmat.co.uk to check it out. And if you use the code BABBLE15, both online and in the showrooms, then you will get 15% off their natural mat beds, mattresses, toppers, and indeed bedding. Welcome to Sustainable 271. Welcome yourself, my ticking time bomb, as we <laughs> count down the fuse to the explosion of the babble. Three episodes to go, Oh, after this. How do you feel about it? Oh yeah, we are Sustainable. We are your friendly little weekly environment podcast, all about people and the planet. And why, despite the fact that things are going round and round and making a noise, that doesn't necessarily mean they're doing anything useful. Yes or no? No. Hey. No, 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 it doesn't. Yes, I agree. Uh, yes, that's who we are. Hello, welcome. Um, we are here still, just about, not for very much longer. Not for very much longer. So strap in, strap yourself down, don't get blown off course while we wang an episode in your ear holes all about the wind. Yes, we are going to be talking about something what you will not have been able to miss if you're in the UK and care about tedious technical stuff. And that is onshore wind. Mm. Now, speaking of onshore wind, I'll, I ate, before we recorded this episode, some potato and tofu, a little bit on the quick side, old son. So this so room... You're, you're sort of experiencing unsure wind right now, <laughs> yes. aren't you? yes. Yes. Could be wind, might be worse than wind. Yeah, so apologies in advance for any peculiar rumblings that may emit during this episode. No, no. So, for the whole of the time, I think that the babble has been going, in England, you've not really been allowed to put wind turbines up on the land. And that is about to change, we think it looks like. And that is very interesting. And we thought it's the babble, what won it? We'll have a little look at what's gone on there. 
Just the usual disclaimer. We do work for environment charities, don't we, Dave? We do. Just about. Uh, and <laughs> these are very much our own views. So if you've got any... Ah, you know, if, if you want to huff and puff about anything that is said here, take it up with us. Don't take it up with the people for whom we work, OK? That's right, Ol. If you are this gusted, gusted, oh, if you are Dave, this, this gusted uh, this, by anything that we say yep. and you have opinions to bind, to burn, then take it oh. up. With, <laughs> you know what to do. OK. On with it. On with it. Right, Inhofe time. Have we heard back from Inhofe yet? No, we haven't. The Babel Army, for those of us, those of you who are new to this news, we're stopping in a few weeks' time. And we asked the Babel Army if you have any connection to Senator James Inhofe, who is a douche who has been the subject of Inhofe of the Week for the last eight years. And if you have any connection to him, genuine, and you reckon you could get him on the babble, could you act on that connection, please? We're not. Don't just punt off random emails or tweets at Inhofe. That's not going to help. But if you know him and you could get him on, could you do it really, really quick? Because we've like basically got two of our remaining episodes accounted for, so just get on with it. Yes. So who is James Inhofe actually all? Oh, he's an uh, octogenarian senator from America, from uh, representing Oklahoma, I believe. And he thinks... That's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Where the wind comes rushing down yes, the plane. Nice, yeah. nice, yeah. uh, I was in Oklahoma in my youth. In my youth, I used to tread the boards, Dave. Oh, I thought, I thought you meant the place. Were you? Were you? Sing us a little... Mm. To, go on, give us a bit. Poor Judd is dead. Poor Judd Fry is dead. Can't remember the next bit. Um, yeah. You sounded like three cats being dragged up the motorway. Uh, but yeah, Jim Inhofe is a senator from Oklahoma and he has made his career, really, certainly the late stage of his career, all about saying climate change isn't real and the reason it's not real is because there's still snow and he's an arsehole. So we decided to name a section of the show where we talk about arseholes after him. That's right. And this week's Inhofe of the Week is actually three people, Ol. It's Grant Shapps. <laughs> Very good. Neat political joke for you there. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Anyone who remembers kind of political Westminster insidery nerdery from about 2012 will, of course, not need reminding that Grant Shapps used to masquerade as somebody called Michael Green, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. He pretended to be Michael Green when he was r running a fake business or something. He also then edited his own Wikipedia page and created, oh, he good. made up people, I can't remember their names, uh, but he made up random people and pretended to be legit people saying how wonderful Grant, Sha Grant Shapps was and got wonderfully confronted by Michael Crick uh, at one of the Conservative Party conferences. He ran after him as he desperately tried to find rooms to disappear into that weren't open. Uh, and Dave is going to play a clip of that now. Can you assure us, Mr Shapps, that all the testimonials on your business sites were genuine people? Mr Shapps? Mr Green, can you assure us that all the... Grant Shapps is the business secretary in the UK. That means he is in charge of business. It's business. Is that what he said? Yes. It's business time. 
Well, no. The opposite. He's oh. like, no, I don't want the business. And the business he doesn't want is onshore wind turbines. He doesn't want wind turbines. Do you see what I mean? Onshore. And the reason onshore. for that is because he thinks they are too big. And they're so big, apparently, now that they can't be built on land. Because what he's done is he's gone to the sea, perhaps Brighton or the Humber Estuary, where if you look out and you squint onto the horizon, those of us of a greeny persuasion think this is a beautiful sight. Other people less so, I understand that. But you squint out to the horizon and you will see a little marching phalanx, an army of of beautiful robotic arms swirling around in the distance. Massive hmm. they are. You can't really tell from the shore, right? But these things are like bigger than Big Ben, aren't they? Like sort of colossal, each blade the of these things. The ones they're putting in now than, are right? truly humongous. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Properly, properly big. Absolutely massive things. I mean, terror, like terrifying, amazing, impressive, awesome things. But like if I was next to one of those, I think I would cack my pants. Uh, I, went to uh, a, I went to an onshore wind farm. Right. Uh a couple of years ago, we had an away day there. Community-owned wind farm somewhere in Oxfordshire, and and these were these these were turbines that were quite like they'd been built a while ago. So they were you know onshore ones, as we will get onto when we explain this to Mister Shaps. But onshore ones are smaller, but these were quite old onshore ones, so they were quite small. But even so, when you're up and actually next to one, yeah, it was like vroom vroom. Vroom. Yeah. Whoa, it's a lot of metal and carbon fibre and vooming. It's quite it's quite intimidating. Little bits of red kite sort of trickling down from the sky <laughs> yeah, and landing, landing in your hair and stuff, is it? A fine mist of <laughs> minced bat was just <laughs> flaying across my eyebrows. Can we get this out of the way now before we talk about anything else, right? This is an episode about onshore wind and how it's coming back in England, probably, right? Do onshore wind turbines kill birds all? Um, they probably have killed some birds, yeah. Yeah, they kill loads of birds. Do they kill yeah. anywhere near as many birds as we are about to do at Christmas? Uh, For no reason? <laughs> no. No. No, the answer is no, they don't. No, they no. don't. Do they kill as many birds as are being killed, or in the, to use the preferred uh, terminology, lost, lost. Um, by climate change and biodiversity loss. No. 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 Do they right. kill as many birds as bird flu is currently wiping out, which has been caused or at least spread by the intensive factory farming business, as talked about a few months ago in Sustainable Babel? Oh. Uh, no. And I really enjoyed Friends of the Babel, Alistair Cameron, uh, <laughs> tweeting about this, where he picked up some quote that was like, this is a was it like a, this is a tragedy for the farmers? Uh, and he's like, yeah, it's probably quite bad for the birds as well. Um, and I'm not diminishing that it's bad for farmers, but I think, you know, yeah, it's amazing how. Yeah. So look, yeah, okay, wind turbines kill birds, but like that's the sort <coughs> of argument you only use if you don't like wind turbines. It by itself is not a reason to oppose wind turbines, right? Can we deal with that? Done? Move on? Done. Done. Yes, very happy with that. Right, good. Now, Grant Shap says we can't have them on shore because they're not big enough. Ol, so they're too big. Ol says, shut up, that's rubbish. They're smaller on shore. So we're going to get some, right? And why are we going to get some, Ol? Why are we going to get some? Well, why haven't... Okay, wrong question. Quite right. Yeah. We haven't got any, really. You went to one and that was a rare <laughs> example in England, right? A rare example <laughs> The lesser onshore... spotted onshore turbine. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, they've, they've been off nesting in the Philippines and uh, now they're coming back. So why... <laughs> 
haven't we got a lot more? You go to Scotland, what I often do, as you often do, up to the Highlands, can't move for the things. Bloody great turbines everywhere, all over the Highlands. But you come down here, you come down south of the Hadrian's Wall, none, none. Well, that's obviously you've you've deployed a rhetorical device there, Dave, but uh, there are some. And they were being merrily built and installed uh, for, you know, decades. I love the idea of them being merrily, merrily installed. Merrily installed. And spinny, spinny, spinny round it goes. Lovely free electricity. On to the next one. Do you reckon, yes. like, when you're putting in wind turbines and, like, you want to get a rise out of your mates, that you do things like leave one of your mates' car keys on the side of one of the blades and just sort of watch <laughs> just it? Just out of reach. So he has to sit and watch it go round. <laughs> There's probably stag do's which have resulted in some unfortunate stag being strapped in a mankini to the outer <laughs> tip of a blade. <laughs> that The babble does not endorse that or recommend it i can't think of a of a much better punishment for people who've decided that winter the james delling poles of this world i would quite like i don't care we're stopping the babble now i quite like him to be masking taped not gaffer taped masking taped to the outside <laughs> of a wind turbine blade and then we'll see how much power it generates then shall we son <laughs> don't let the eco warriors spoil your fun Right. The reason there aren't very many turbines in England, or at least as many as there would have been, is cause Tories, Dave, is cause politics. Now, you and I are old enough and have been at this game long enough to remember a film called The Age of Stupid. Do you remember that film, Dave? Ah. You know, I was about to say something silly and glib about what you mean this one and play a clip of it. Ha ha, yes, obviously that one. But I reckon, actually... I'm so old, we are so old, that this thing which in my head I assume everyone has seen, I bet loads of people haven't, because no. this is old, right? This is like, what, I think it was ago? 2009. 2009? Yeah, it was 2009 Nine? or 2009, because, because the reason I know that is because what came out, like, it was a huge success. So this is a film called The Age of Stupid. It was made on a tiny budget by Franny Armstrong, who's made all sorts of very cool activisty films. Oh. She did the McLeibel stuff. Like, go and check out her stuff. Um, the premise of it was basically, in the future, That's are now. people going to look back at now, or rather 2008, and go, oh God, why didn't we act when we had the chance? Like, why were we so dumb about this stuff? And a large part of it centred on people who were... Um, opposing onshore wind they were like really vociferously campaigning against onshore wind i can't remember why i started talking about this oh yeah you were saying people won't remember it but i think that's true so we're talking 14 13 14 years ago so pre a pre lot of our listeners will the have point been... being pre-tories that's the point right yes i mean tories existed but they weren't in government they so weren't that in film government. was made before what is it 12 years of conservative rule right Exactly, yeah. And the politician they were trying to get to do stuff was Ed Miliband. 80. All the threes, 33. Because Ed Miliband was the energy secretary at the time and they were trying to get him to do decent stuff at the Copenhagen Climate Summit. And back then, the environment movement was very cross with people like Ed Miliband for not being ambitious enough. Little did we know <laughs> that was as good as it was going to get for 13 long years. <laughs> I'm not crying. I'm fine. 
Right, let's cut to the chase here. The Tories have had it in, and to an extent have still got it in, for wind turbines on the land. And the Tories control England in practice, so we're talking about England, right? Yes, I think like specifically what they did was, I think in 2014, they changed the planning rules so that in practice, it was basically impossible for a developer to build onshore wind because I think two, that's two mentions of planning in subsequent episodes. Oh, you'd be very. I don't very care. Good. We're we're leaving. We're quitting. I don't care. I'm going to talk about planning. We'll have one of these anyway, just for old times' sake. Old times' sake. Yeah. No, it's yeah. nice to have that. Uh, yeah, I think they 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 did a sneaky thing where they were like, oh well, as long as it's in this document that you didn't know it had to be in. Uh, then you can build it. And it's like, well, we didn't know how to be in this document. It's like, oh, well, if it's not in the document, then no. Can we put it in a document now? No, no, it had to have... You can't do it now. It had to have already been in there. All right. Right. What about for next time? Can we put it in? Uh, Document only applies to then. No, sorry. Sorry. Computer says no. (laughs) So that's what they did. And the reason they did that was this perception, and this is the more interesting bit, this perception among Tories that onshore wind was very unpopular with their voters. They were like, people in our heartlands, in the shires, they don't like these wind turbines. They don't like the idea of these wind turbines. And therefore, if we can say, look, we are the Tories, we are strong, we have stood up to the blob, and we have said, no, there shall not be onshore wind turbines, then we will win votes. And that is essentially the strategy they have employed since 2014. Right. Now, I want a tangent for a second. And I want to ask you a thing that involves this music. I genuinely, when I start to feel as sad as I feel at the moment, oh, my, no. my, my response is to binge Brideshead Revisited, which I know is the most ridiculous thing that any human could possibly think or say. I would love, I but, would genuinely love to know what a psychologist would say about that. <laughs> that is absolutely precious insight. I wish, we could, most... I wish we could go into it. Have you read any Evelyn Waugh? No, I've never, I didn't even know she did books. Oh, you're such a dick. Anyway, viz, viz this, right? Viz this. Now, genuine question for you, Ol, and I want your opinion. I grew up in London, right? You've never mentioned that. I grew up in London, from London, grew up in London, not like all of these Johnny-come-latelys, you know, these people from the countryside coming here and demanding that it has trees, right? I was quite happy being surrounded (laughs) by concrete. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> didn't know wouldn't have known what a wind turbine was it would have been behind the tower blocks anyway right so and i have i lived for a bit in the countryside as you know when we started the babble indeed that's where i was living but mostly yeah I'm you went there and for... cut down trees didn't you that's what I you went did down the went there, <laughs> cut down cut down a tree which caused another tree to die um and then left pretty much <laughs> pretty pretty much but in a nutshell <laughs> is pretty much what that happens. is your countryside legacy i mean you, you joke <laughs> no i know not, not a great deal else. Um, <laughs> let's not talk about that. Where were we? No. Where are we? What's happening? Um, good. That's <laughs> rather thrown me, that remark. Um, <laughs> why? You're from the countryside. Do you um, like wind turbines? I do, but that's because I'm also metropolitan elite. And right. So do you know loads of people then? And this is a bad example because Cambridgeshire is, you know, I don't know. Is it the sort of place? One no, it has quite a lot. Lines? Actually, like, okay. like, there's there's a motorway that uh, the M11, you have doubtless driven on it at times, which goes 
I've, I got of... lost on it once by mistake. Yep. Did you? Yep. Very good. Right. Yep. So past Cambridge bit uh, down into East London. And uh, there are chunks of that and the A11, uh, which have, which go through big solar farms on on farmers' fields and uh, quite a lot of wind turbines. I don't think there's a huge amount in, in Cambridge, but there is, yeah, there's plenty. Right. There's, there's stuff so so what, what do the people... Perhaps your parents' generation, or the people you know who are still there. What is the, what do people from the countryside think of who are not tree hugging, lentil munching, heat pump coveting assholes like us? Think of wind turbines. Like, are they unpopular conceptually and in practice? Oh, well, I think if you could first, speak for the important. whole of the countryside. Yeah, no, it's be, important yeah. to point out that they are one homogenous group. <laughs> um, people will people will try and persuade you otherwise. And say that there's a diversity of opinions and experiences and backgrounds and perspectives, but there isn't. Um, they all think the same. Uh, no, that is of course not true. I think, but I think farmers quite like them because uh, I, I'm a bit out of date on how much how profitable they are. But certainly for a while, it was a good way to make money on your also, land. Also, also farmers hate nature, and wind turbines kill nature. So that's another reason <laughs> farmers like it. Speaking of homogenous masses that all speak, all think the same. Do you know? What? I'm a little bit sad that we are going to quit without having had a farmer on here. We've had, we had a farmer. We've had a farmer. Listen to episode yeah, 118. We've had a farmer on. No, you know, a hippie. That's a hippie farmer. I'd quite like to have had like <laughs> gross hippies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, there are definitely people who. I knew growing up who were what you might call nimbies, like the prospect of anything being built, kind of regardless of what it was, but certainly something like uh, a wind turbine in their backyard was not popular. But yeah, it was also sort of pragmatic people who didn't mind. I mean, my bit of the countryside, right, and I don't mean the bit I own, uh, okay, which, right, yeah. which is obviously all of the countryside. I mean, specifically yeah. the bit that I grew up in. It's not really very beautiful. Like it's just, it's just big, big fields of wheat. Nobody's ever perfectly behaved, <laughs> are they? I mean, you know. You are describing Cambridgeshire. Yeah, the ugliest that, county in England. It's 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 pretty bad. Like I loved where I grew up because it was my home, and I loved stomping around in like footpaths through fields and stuff uh but objectively it's not very it's not very pretty you know there are bits of the country which are like you know like that alistair cameron is down in uh somerset isn't he like beautiful rolling where i used to live yeah where i used to live lots of bits of the country which are very beautiful my bit of the country so i don't know i always found it a bit odd that people were kind of like you can't (laughs) you can't desecrate our lovely countryside it's like well it's desecrated itself. Look at it. Well, friend of the babble, George Monbiot, has often made the point that like the the countryside is an industrial landscape, at least when it is all covered in monoculture and stuff. Like, not only has it been desecrated, but it's industrialised. Like, it yeah. is every bit as kind of nauseous. In fact, more so because a wind turbine is just there. But you're, you know, as you were describing, these kind of great long fields of monoculture without one area field mass up it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Uh, so there you go, long-winded sort of non-answer to your question. Well, speaking of long wind, Alt, um, yes. how are actually, you? Uh, I'm, I'm uh, all right. Actually, I did have to do a bit of muting when you were talking. I think you. No, did. I've noticed you shuffling a little bit, oh, just yeah. readjusting your posture.
Right, data quiz. Data quiz for all, right? I'm not sure how many questions there are in data quiz. Maybe just a couple. Now, this is all based on opinion polling that was done earlier this month. This is brand new data. It's not historical. It's just talking about now, right? Roughly, I'm going to ask you some things and I want some answers. Yes? Okay. You understand, you understand quizzes and how they work? I okay, think I've good. got it now, yeah. yeah. Right, okay, good. So, uh, I'm looking at my screen, moving the microphone accordingly. So, what percentage of the public would you say have a favourable impression of onshore wind? Oh, very high. Very high. 80, 83. Um, it's lower. It's lower. It's 60%. 61, 62. Oh, okay. I can't, I'm looking at a chart thing, so I'm guessing it's slightly higher than 60, 60%. Okay. Okay. Uh, what percentage of Labour MPs would you say have a favourable impression of onshore wind? Labour MPs? Yes. Uh... I'd say a pretty high percentage, um, given that Labour are, Labour MPs are overwhelmingly in towns and cities where there aren't any wind turbines to be worried about. So, 90. Bang on, yeah, bang on, um, 90%. What percentage of Conservative MPs would you say have a favourable impression of onshore wind? Hmm. Well... There's currently about 34 of them saying they like it publicly. So, and there's about, how many Conservative MPs? There's 300 and something Conservative MPs, aren't there? So I'm going to say 10%. The correct answer is minus 4%. I'm not good at maths, as you know, but how can there be <laughs> negative numbers of Tory MPs? No, no, no. <laughs> so I haven't done that poll justice, but that's getting across the idea that on average, like it's a scale that basically has like, imagine at one end you've got a scale which has like very, very unfavorable, I hate, right? And at the other end you've got a scale which is very, very favorable, I like. Imagine a graph, right? Yeah. Um, and there's a line in the middle which is basically don't have an opinion. Yeah. Right. So Labour MPs are right at the I like end, and the public are close to the I like end. So like sixty on average, there's a sixty percent approval rating. Is not sorry, it's not percentage of public. So sixty percent approval okay, rating. Fine. Yeah, yeah. Right for um for the public, but for conservatives, they're off to the left of that. Don't have an opinion line, as in they are on average they disapprove. They yeah. are net disapproval. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of okay. onshore wind, right? So several points emerged from this, which is firstly, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what, like, the public do not dislike this, but clearly Conservative MPs do, do dislike it. Why? Why that difference? That's thing number one. Um, well, there will, there will be people who listen to this podcast who know the answer to that properly. I, th I think the answer is it's one of those issues where the people who genuinely oppose it are very very noisy about it and all of the people who genuinely oppose it are Tories it's a bit like the whole sort of um like the Brexit kind of racism thing and it's like I'm not saying everyone who voted Brexit is a racist I'm just saying that all the racists <laughs> voted Brexit and I'm not saying that like every Tory hates onshore wind I'm just saying all the people who hate onshore wind are Tories and there are the ones who are really like actually exercised by it 
uh, are not very many, but they're very noisy. And I think they give an outsized kind of impression of their political representation and importance. I also think it's become, it has long been rather, one of the causes that the right wing right wing press has decided to make sort of culture warsy and to kind of whip up um, anti-woke, anti-metropolitan, anti-urban sentiment about. So I think they have always given Tory MPs the impression very deliberately that it is much more hated than in reality it is. Um, and that's that's a weird thing. Like All these Tories have been thinking it's a vote winner, but the polling never really suggests... It is like in some very specific constituencies, there might be a very specific battle that maybe could tip the balance. But I think generally, you, you're not going to get elected as a Tory purely because you say, "I don't know wind turbines." No, but you might get selected as one. I think there there might lie a lot of the a lot of ah, the truth. Yes, uh, pluralistic okay. ignorance. Oh, we have talked about this before. Go back and listen to episode oh, seven of you your, have, brain you on, always, your brain. Your brain on favourite. Favorite sodding phrase, isn't it? It is. It's. I. I still maintain it is the thing more than anything else that we need to smash if we're going to fix the climate. We need to smash pluralistic ignorance. Okay, and the oil companies, and neoliberalism, uh, that, yeah. and pluralistic ignorance. Right, pluralistic ignorance being that thing. All in fact, why don't you tell me what's pluralistic ignorance? I banged on about it often enough. Uh, it's where you think a thing, uh, but you think everybody else thinks the opposite. Right. Explains, amongst other things, imposter syndrome, which is a sort of writ large example of... uh, Imposter syndrome is basically where you think you are the only one who doesn't get something or can't do something. But of course, everyone else thinks that as well. Or like in Freshers' Week, when you go Freshers' Week, and you think everyone else is having fun and you're not. No, everyone hates it, mate. But we don't talk about this stuff, right? So everyone kind of thinks it. And wind turbines are a really good example I hate to break this to you, but some people were having fun in Freshers' Week. You weren't. Oh, no, I wasn't. I had a no. dreadful Freshers' Week. I was not only like socially completely out of my depths, but I also got a, a massive ear infection, which turned into turned so bad that my eardrum burst. So it yeah, it was. What happens it was, when your eardrum bursts? Stuff come out. Yeah, and what? Yeah, a little hole is like there's so much pressure behind the eardrum of like horrible pus and stuff, and it bursts its way through, and so it all dribbles out. And you, in first instance, you feel a great sense of relief because the the pain is gone. And then stuff starts pouring out of your ear and you think, oh, if I had a massive brain injury, am I about to die? God. His head burns. (laughs) Opinion polls. The most recent example I saw of this was from about five years ago, but I'm pretty sure this this still holds. People say, I like wind turbines, but they say, but I don't think other people like wind turbines. So there is like the, the fact that there is this gobby, noisy minority of people banging on about it all the time, makes people think that the fact they like them is weird. And so they don't talk about it, right? And that's a, just a very good example of pluralistic ignorance. And so if you're a Tory MP and you've got in your constituency people who own land, who have owned a mountain for the past 200 years and like looking at that mountain and don't want an eco-crucifix on top of it, who donate heavily to lots of things in your constituency and could quite easily drive a tank through your constituency office if they disagree with you, you will probably just go, yes, all right, Jesus Christ, anything for a quiet life, I agree with you, right? Whereas what you don't hear is everyone else going, can we have those, please? Because, oh, particularly now, then they will give me lots of nice, cheap energy, yum, yum, right? Indeed. Now, this is the silliest, silliest, silliest thing of this whole sorry, silly episode of banning onshore wind 
is that Tories always like to say how they want value for money. They want mm. things to be cheap and their principal objection to building renewable energy for a long time was it's too expensive. We can't possibly do that very good thing because it's expensive and we only want to spend small amounts of money unless it's, you know, on a bad thing which happens to be owned by our friends and then that's different. But now, Dave, now energy that is generated from wind turbines is way cheaper than energy that is generated from fossil fuels. And that has been the case for quite some time. And there is this stat that I saw sent round on an email uh, this week that said, if we hadn't had that ban, they reckon, so the ban's been in place sort of 2014, 2016, depending on which one you're talking about, but a while. They reckon that probably we would have had enough turbines put in uh, to power about one and a half million homes. And had that happened we collectively in England would have been spending 800 million quid less this winter than we're going to because of all that gas we're having to buy. What is expensive? So there you go. Thanks, Tories. You have actually, not that, as we've said many times, not that the money is ever the most important thing when you're talking about things that might stop the collapse of the living world, but also it would have been cheaper to try and stop the collapse of the living world. Oh, it's just so frustrating. Like you heard all this, all this bollocks about like cut the green crap. Do you remember cut the green crap, which started all this off about like off of David Cameron about ten, what it was like ten years ago, something like that, which well, has that, led to yes, exactly. You know, amongst other things, us not insulating our homes properly, and has led to this us, is the know, man. This is the man. This is the man who was yeah. elected on like okay. I want the Tories to become a modernised, electable party and I'm going to make like being environmental all part of that. I'm going to go and hug a husky. He went to Norway, yeah. to Svalbard to hug a husky. He installed the f- installed a mm-hmm. little wind turbine on his house, which yes. was like completely pointless because having a small wind turbine on your house in a built up area is stupid. But he was like, look, look at me. I am Mr. Green, sodding Tory leader. And then and then four years later, he was like... Grant Shapps is Mr. Green, to be fair. Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, four years later, he yeah, he was reported to have told his, his underlings to cut the green crap. And here we are. I mean, he certainly doesn't want to let the ball go into the back of the net because that guy, as any professional goalkeeper should know... A goal he scored, and he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to do that. And this is just, you know, this is the, you don't often get to see it, right? That anyone who bangs on about, but we can't afford it, you don't often get to see such crystal clear examples of why we should spend money on stuff that is relatively cheap today, because 10 years from now, it will save us an absolute fortune. But this is one of them examples, right? Where in the name, oh, primarily because they didn't like it, but also in the name of saving a little bit of money, which it, and, and I'm not saying, you know, I'm not belittling that you have to pay for that, but in the scheme of like an entire economy, a little bit of money, that means that we are now not insulating homes. And it means, yeah. and, and now people are paying thousands of pounds they don't have to pay because of that. That means we don't have wind turbines all over England, which means now we're on the hook for blinking Vlad's gas. And like that's what it means, right? Yeah. That's why you've got to spend money on stuff, you bastards. Well, and and again, this is I know this is what politicians are like, but I'm going to get righteous and a bit squeaky anyway. 
David Cameron used to go round in those early days, like making the argument that it was like paying for insurance. It's like, yes, it is a bit expensive now to pay for insurance, but then you've got that insurance and no one's saying your house is definitely going to fall down. But if your house falls down, it's good to have got this insurance. So like, let's let's take the same approach. That was the analogy he used to use. It was a good analogy. And then he just changed his mind because he's a... Uh, well, I'm not going to say that. Right, hello, Dave here, and I'm whispering so that Ol doesn't hear me. But what I've done is snuck into this episode of Babble just to give a little plug to my other podcast, Your Brain on Climate. It's all about human brains and how they work and don't work and how they think about the world and how what they think about the world is part of the climate crisis and how understanding the climate crisis means understanding human brains and how they work. And we come at things sideways, so we look at things you might think have nothing to do with climate change at all. But when you unpick it all, everything does. It's called Your Brain on Climate. It's available the same place you found the babble. I hope you like it. Please have a listen. Don't tell him I'm here. Oh, he's coming. Okay, bye. Your Brain on Climate. Right, so anyway, what we haven't said is what's happening. And what's happening is there is an amendment being tabled to a, a separate bit of legislation. Basically, a bunch of Tory MPs have decided enough is enough, and they have decided to get it allowed again, basically. And they are threatening that they're going to try and come together en masse and amend a bit of legislation about something else and get the ban lifted, right? And that is a thing that Rishi Sunak doesn't really want to hear because he's trying to, like, you know, do his thing or whatever. What um, is he some- to do? Oh, his thing. And okay. some of the people, some surprising names, at least to all, um, in the name of pe- names of people who are in favour of this. So Liz Truss, if you remember, go back and listen to episode who? 262. of uh, we for, for five minutes was Prime Minister of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Just, en- just long enough to knacker me by in a house and then bug it off again. Do you know, um, um, and I'm very sorry about that, and I continue to be sorry about that, I saw a th- thing the other day where like she she was lined up with the other ex prime ministers at the cenotaph for remembrance sunday like laying wreaths and stuff and someone was like she's going to be doing this for like as long as she's alive and she's quite young so like let's say another 40 like so this person who was prime minister for just over a month this is going to spend 40 quiz years yeah. being yeah. wheeled out as an ex-Prime Minister of Great Britain and online. It's so weird. I know, it's weird. Anyway, um, your friend, your friend, Green Jesus, Boris Johnson, oh, is yeah. one of the people saying this should happen. He's one of the the, the backers. of the, Still an MP, amazingly, which is the thing I kind of, you know, if he ever was one, it's amazing he still is. Um, remember that I said you could do a lot worse than him and you laughed at me? Remember that? Well, he actually apparently... No, was, when he no. was the boss, was trying to get this ban overturned and faced so much hassle and hoo-ha from other people in his cabinet that he didn't do it. So he's like, this is hardly him converting latterly to the cause. Um, and it has become apparent, to cut a long story short, that 
this amendment would basically go through if it was forced to a vote. And because Rishi Sunak don't really want a rebellion this early into his prime ministership, because it's not a good look, the gov- it is reckoned that the government will just quietly go all right then and do it themselves. So okay. they have to be voted on. That's my, that's my limited understanding of the ins and outs of the politics. And by the time you listen to Babel, this may all be out of date. But anyway, that all stands. That's what's happening. So there we are. So all of that messing, like so many other things we could think of, well, there has been a base, basically about 10 years of titting about um, that now it has finally become apparent to people we've been quite happy to let the titting about go on, that having titted about for all that time is costing us a tittingly large amount of time, effort and money that we shouldn't tittingly well have tittingly done. Oh. <laughs> Magnificently expressed. Um, Thanks. Yes. Am I allowed to say tittingly? I think so. I think so. I don't think we'll get letters about that. Or at least we wouldn't until we start discussing whether or not we were going to get letters about it. So let's not discuss whether or not we're going to get letters about you saying titting and tittingly. That's the constituency I wish to stand for when I finally become a conservative, conservative MP, by the way. Last question for you, Well, What does this tell us, in a nutshell? What, where, where, what, what, what impression are you left with? I'm left uh, with one of great frustration and annoyance about the entire wasted decade. But what, what are you left with? Yes, I share that. I'm left with the impression that politics in this country remains venal and crass, which is a phrase I first heard you say. Uh, which I got off uh, Mark Kermode, so I can't take the credit for that. Oh, okay. Oh, good old Kermode. That's it, really. I mean, my opinion is that, as ever, the bastards in charge don't have the best interests of, you know, us and humanity at heart. And that's, you know, you can't spend too much time being sad about that because being sad about it doesn't change it. You just have to be clever about how to try and force their hand. But at the same time, would it really have killed them to just let some people have some jobs by building some useful (laughs) things that would have stopped loads of carbon going in the atmosphere. Well, look, it's all very well building the things, all, but if they're too big to get on the land, how are you going to get them on the land? You're quite right. I just... And that is why Grant Shapps is the great mind that he is and why I will never be let anywhere near high or even medium of it. Right, uh, that is just about it. Haven't we done well pretending we're looking at the prep doc when in fact we're both looking at the Guardian minute by minute update on some very exciting football? Yeah, this is uh, the, we're recording this during the uh, conclusion of Group E, which for uh, as it, as we are recording right now this second looks like Germany are about to go out. I don't know if that is what ended up happening, but that's a very exciting thing. Very exciting thing. Now, thank you as ever, Dave, for babbling. Thank you to Dickie Moore for the music that begins. Ends and intertwinkles this podcast. And thank you to Arthur Stovall for the logo, which is all over our stuff, including our t shirts, which you can buy for everybody for Christmas. That is the only thing that people want for Christmas. It's a babble t shirt. Residual babble gift. And you do that by going to www.sustainababble.fish and click on the merch. Exactly. Now, if you would like to tell us uh, what Jim Inhofe's personal email address is or anything else like that, 
or give you've got very limited time to ask us questions or to recommend things that we talk about but you can do that by emailing <coughs> excuse me emailing hello at sustainabubble.fish by tweeting us at the babble wagon if twitter still exists by next week uh, and by using facebook to search for sustainabubble on there yeah and do make sure you email us questions by like within the next couple of weeks ask us anything and we may answer it in our last ever episode so anything you've always wanted to ask Colin and Dave the stuff that you want us to say it might be about the babble the history thereof it might be about what we really think about stuff it might be about what old smells like it might be about how beautiful Dave is all of these questions and more we will consider asking email hello at sustainababble.fish by let's say the 10th of December and we will answer the bestest ones Superb, right? That's just about it. I am. No, off. no, it isn't. What? We have been bowled over, oh, bowled over by the kind words we've received from people about the decline of the babble, and even more bowled over by those people, and they know who they are, who have said, I know the babble is about to finish, but I'm going to go to www.patreon.com slash sustainababble Outrageous. and do Outrageous. what will end up just being a one-off donation, because we will cancel it, as a thank you. If you want to do that, if you've loved the babble, you've always thought one day I'll give them cash, it is not too late. So go to go to Patreon and say, thank you, Dave and Noel, with a bit of cash. That is lovely. We could we, What we could do is promise to ring-fence that babble income for the babble works due. Uh, so... If you give us an absolute metric shit ton of money, we promise to spend it all in one go on an obscene night out. Uh, I don't know if that's an incentive or not. Probably, probably not. Probably not. Um, either way, if you if you feel like giving us cash now, that would be very nice, and we will have a drink and toast the babble and toast indeed you for being lovely. Speaking of toast, all it's time to put this episode to bed. So I love you very much. Goodbye. Best of luck to Mrs. Dave as she deals with the atmosphere that will engulf your flat when you open that door behind you. <laughs> yep, that's me putting the yulunts into flat for the last <laughs> hour or so. Yeah, Bye. Bye. Now look, hey ho! I know I don't always pay close attention to the babble inbox, mm. but I did see, mm. I did see the comment that came in, and I can't remember who it's from now, but it was from somebody who gave you a very good joke. And if you pass Jackie. this joke off as your own, I will know. It's Jackie Bell's joke, but I'm not. No, we're not doing Jackie Bell joke. I'm pretty sure oh, I've okay. done a Jackie Bell joke before. It's a very so, good joke. It's a good it joke. A lot. But we're not in the market for very good jokes. We're in the market for my oh, jokes. Oh, yes. Right. Okay, good. Right. Hey, all. Hey, all. Hey, all. So I was uh, in the pub the other day with my Scottish friend. And we were doing the crossword together. And I read out, I read out, uh, read out a clue. said, right, eight across, eight letters, first letter M, to be stuck on a desert island. And he thought about it for a bit and he said, marooned. I said, great, I'll have a pint of lager, please. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, good, that's joke. A good joke. Up yours, Jackie Bell. That's how you, that's how you do it. That's how you tell them. That's how you tell them. <laughs> <laughs>